Good morning. Scripture reading this morning is from Colossians chapter 1, 24 through chapter 2, verse 5. You can follow along on page 9 in your um, worship booklet. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. This is the word of the Lord. I've always kind of been a sucker for self-help books. I like to think that I can improve myself. Tim Ferriss is a guy that has a podcast. He started with a book called The 4-Hour Workweek. Man, wouldn't that be awesome? And, uh, and then he changed and he went and he did The 4-Hour Body. And in it, it's all about life hacks and how to get your body and get yourself to be at its optimal thing. Now, this is a young man who started his career by quitting university to sell uh, supplement, nutritional supplements online. And he just has spent the rest of his life over the last almost 20 years now um, trying to figure out who he is. And the way that he's done that is by engaging in ways to improve himself. So he does like deep freezes kind of things on his body. He um, decided he wanted to learn jiu-jitsu, and so he moved to Brazil in order to do that. Um, it, you know, it must be nice. Supplement business is good, I guess. Uh, and, and so everything that he does is just to improve himself, to get this place of like ultimate superiority. And um, I think we look at him, like I do, and I'm like, Wow, that's amazing. However, I can never do those things. But did you know that the self-help business is over a billion dollars? There are new books written almost every day to tell you how to improve yourself, how to be a better you, how to discover who you actually are. That, that there's a place 
Um, even in Christendom, if you go into Christian bookstores that talk about how to improve yourself, how to be a better, oftentimes Christian living books are even just how you can be a better Christian at what you're doing. The, the assumption there is that we aren't all that we're supposed to be and that somehow we can figure out something to make us what we're supposed to be. And it becomes desperate sometimes for folks. It actually becomes a religion for them. In a book called Strange Rites, that's talking about the new religion of the age, which, by the way, you'll probably hear more from that book in a couple of weeks. She talks about the cult of soul cycle. Soul cycle is an exercise uh, that's primarily in the States, but it's expanding from there, that is basically just stationary bike riding. And how that becomes all that those people are that you sign up and enlist and that you focus on what I'm accomplishing in this place and you buy the gear and you get the water bottle and you listen to the playlist that they have on Spotify and you just inundate yourself with all that is soul cycle so that you can be the best that you want to be. And it almost just becomes a treadmill for us to kind of work towards that thing. In this particular passage, however, Paul says, I know who you are. And more importantly, I know who's inside of you. I know who you are, and I know who is inside of you. When I preached through this book about two years ago now, we got to this point, and I was listening to the sermon this week that I preached over this section. And it's good to remind you of something that I said then as well. Not that everything I say is worth being reminded of, trust me. But this particular thing is. Um, in this particular section, right now, in this place, Paul gets very personal. He begins to talk to them directly. And I think it is difficult for us to remember that the Bible is not just a book for our engagement. That the Bible is not written just for us to get how we're supposed to live better or be the better Christian. That the Bible is a collection of 66 books that have been put together by God to reveal who Jesus is. We talked about that last week. But in those 66 books, you have history and you have uh, prophecy and you have letters, which this is. And so in those letters, there are things that happen personally. And so Paul begins to describe himself in this. He says, I contend for you. I'm working hard. I want you to know how much I long to see you. I, many of you I haven't seen. And so sometimes what we'll do is we'll grab hold of that and go, that must mean we are supposed to work hard. and We're supposed to be contending and we're supposed to be. Paul's not actually saying this is as a command to us. Just as I'm working hard, you should work hard. That's not how he puts it. He's letting the churches in Colossae and Laodicea know who he is and what he is doing. However, it's not wrong for us to gain insight to what it might mean to be a follower of Christ. Paul later says, not in this book, he says in another letter, 
follow me as I follow Christ. And so there's a place for us here to recognize this is what Paul is doing. This is how Paul is living with these folks. However, at the same time, it can encourage us to think the same. How are we supposed to be contending with others for the faith? How are we hoping to see maturity come into those that we are walking with? How do we step into those places and have open hearts to allow them to step in with us? Because the major, major thrust of the sermon I preached a few years ago was that we're united in love. That's what he says in chapter 2 here. And so we walk together in that place. But I don't want to focus on that necessarily today. I want to focus on this phrase here where it says mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we stop and think about that and try and just even wrap our fleshy brains. Now, I know our brains aren't made out of flesh, but that's, you know, our worldly thinking. It's almost impossible <laughs> for us to grasp. What does this thing mean, Christ in me, the hope of glory? Because most of our lives have seemed like, uh, maybe you're not like me, but I'm just going to assume here, a treadmill of trying to prove my worth. A treadmill of trying to show that I know and understand God's love. And so by my actions, I will be seen and heard and believe that I'm actually walking in this way. And Paul says here, I'm unleashing this mystery. It's now being revealed. And what this mystery is, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This place where we recognize that Jesus is more than just a person that we look back in history to, to honor. He's more than just an example for how we're supposed to live. He's even more than God, revealed to us completely, like we've talked about for how many weeks now. But in fact, he is God coming and resting himself inside of us. That you and I, who are followers of Christ and resting in him, our striving must not be to accomplish what God has set out for us to do, our striving must be to grab hold of the truth, the knowledge, the mystery that is revealed that God in Christ is actually moving within us. That we are somehow empowered and emboldened and equipped to walk in Christ's likeness. Well, how's that even possible? There's two things that are going to happen in this sermon today. One is I'm going to give you a preview of what's going to happen next year. <laughs> and I'm also going to give you a preview of what's going to happen in a few weeks. The first thing is a preview of what's going to happen next year. If you have your Bibles, then one of the additional readings that we have is John 14, 15 through 20. And I want you to turn there. Or open up your app and get there. This is Jesus talking to his disciples as he is moving towards the cross. He knows that the end is coming. And he says this to them. John 14, starting in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, and he lives with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. When Christ grabs a hold of us, when, when God moves in his steadfast love to wrap us into who we are, he empowers us by allowing us to be within part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit resides within us, takes up residence. Emmanuel means God with us. How deeply is God with us? He is so deep within us that the Holy Spirit resides in us, moving our thoughts and our actions and our emotions, walking within us so that we can be empowered and equipped and emboldened to walk as Christ walked. That Jesus himself says, I am in the Father and I am in you. And so, for those of us who are in Christ, when we recognize, as Paul says here, the mystery that is revealed is that Christ is in you, we see that and know it as the Holy Spirit. Now, I said that's a bit of a preview. Here's the reason why. Next year, when we get through the month of January, starting in February, I'm going to do an eight-week series on what the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit works. And so just briefly, here's what the Holy Spirit does and works. Romans tells us this, that the Holy Spirit is the thing that reminds us of who we are. Romans 8, it says, the Spirit is testifying to us, speaking to us, saying that we are, in fact, sons and daughters of God. So the first thing that happens with Jesus within us is it reminds us of our truth identity. It gives us certainty in who we are. So we have the Holy Spirit telling us as we're walking both in those places where we feel destroyed and in those places where we feel tempted and those places where we begin to feel prideful about how good we're doing and pleasing God. The Holy Spirit says, no, none of that is who you really are. Who you really are. As a child of God because of what Jesus has done for you. More than that, the Holy Spirit in reminding us who we are, as we learn in the book of 1 Corinthians, is it manifests to us, it shows us outwardly the very things that God is doing in our lives. It empowers us to do the things that God has laid out for us. You see, we would never be able to accomplish living for God if it weren't for the fact that Jesus lives inside of us. But because Christ lives inside of us, we're able to move into the direction and the places that God has called us to. More than that, the Holy Spirit shines forth and shows itself as we manifest the love of God to others. And so oftentimes people talk about, well, what's your spiritual gift? What's your spiritual gift? Your spiritual gift is that the Holy Spirit resides in you. Those, the Spirit will show himself in ways 
that we then call gifts. Teaching or leading or comfort or justice. Right? That those are the things that we see the outward expression of what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so Holy Spirit residing in us, Christ in us, enables us to do the work that God has laid out for us, but not within our own means and not within our own directions, but by what God does through the Holy Spirit. And the third thing that it does is it takes all of who you are. The Holy Spirit takes all of your beautifulness, all of your particularness, all of your, your lovely, broken, whimsical, all of it. <laughs> and gives it meaning. Life. See, it takes the things that are contrary to the word and deals it with it, convicts you of it, helps you move away from it. It takes the things that are, you know, are empowered by the word of God and lifts them up to give you the ability to continue to walk in it. But not like me, but like you. Not like the person next to you or the person that you look up to, but like you, who you are. Now, we have to be careful here because that sounds an awful lot like self-help. And finding out who you are so you can be your best self. That's the reason why we go back to the mystery that is revealed. Our best self is exemplified by Christ in us. Because it is only Christ who moves in that direction as how we were created to be. See, before the foundation of the world, God made all of us. He knew who we were, and he designed us to be a certain way. But when the fall came, it keeps us from getting to that way. But Holy Spirit, Christ in us, empowers us to live our lives in that direction. And so we work together. That's the reason why Paul wants us to be united in love. We work together, calling out for conviction that needs to take place, or encouragement, comfort, or joy that takes place in our lives and the way that we move. Now, interesting enough, Paul also wants to let them know, I'm letting you know these mysteries. I want you to understand them so that you can be deeply knowledgeable of who God is and all of his wisdom. Why? Well, if you go back to Colossians chapter 2. He says, I want to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those in Laodicea, though you've not seen me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may be full of the riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. So here's preview number two. In a few weeks, we're going to talk about what it means for us to live in Christ. And in fact, how living in Christ is contrary to the world. And we're actually going to talk about the new religions that are happening in the world. In about three weeks, we're going to talk about those things that we might not even recognize have seeped into us. But we can only go there and have understanding if we recognize the mystery of God, which is Christ. When we can take all of these seemingly good things 
and align them with the great thing. And watch how they pass away. Unless they help us achieve an understanding and a life that is within Christ. And so I look forward to going in that place as well. But for today, just know that the reason why it's important for us to recognize this is so that we don't get deceived. And there are many things that will deceive us, namely our own hearts. Namely, our own desires to improve ourselves. Namely, our own wants and even our belief in our ability to be the best Lee Hinkle I can be. Insert your name there. But Christ comes and he says to us, the best Lee Hinkle you can be, I'm very tempted to name names, the best you to be is to be in Christ. Now that's the crazy thing. Christ is in us, and we are in him. It's this beautiful movement, dance together, that says, while I am in Christ, Christ is in me. While I, Christ is in me, I am placed in Christ. And so we are made perfect in that way. We are made strong in that way. We find comfort. So let me pray for us. God, you are good. And we trust in you. And so we trust that if there are things that were spoken today that aren't from you, that they won't take residence in our hearts or minds. That they'll blow away. But if there's anything that is from you, that it will take root in our hearts and minds and that it will bring you glory and it will help us to do good work in your name that you've laid out before the foundation of the world. Be with us as we respond to this through Holy Spirit. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.